nonprofit founders and leaders, change makers and dreamers? Are you searching for new ways to be heard amidst the overwhelming noise and confusion of these uncertain times? Giving Heartbeat is the place to make connections and ignite sparks of compassion into forces for good and together turn unsung heroes into everyday superheroes. Conversations with dynamic nonprofit champions from across the planet reveal how they turned passion into action and obstacles into achievements. I'm your host, Donna Valente. Welcome. Over the past three decades, I've met hundreds of incredible nonprofit changemakers from around the world. It's my passion and mission to promote them. This is Giving Heartbeat. Welcome. I'd like to welcome to the Giving Heartbeat studio, Pretty Neta, who is the Managing Director of Foundation Operations for Investors Bank and an overall wonderful person. Pretty good morning. Good morning. I'd like for you to talk to our listeners about your background and um, kind of what led you to want to live a life of serving others. Wow, that's a very um, that's a very uh, honorable um, way of putting it, Donna. <laughs> wow, those are very those are very um, touching words. Um, so, um, well, Donna, you know, I. Um, you and I have a past. Um, you mm-hmm. actually hired me as the quality of life grants assistant at the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation over 15 years ago now. <laughs> it's really, uh, really been a while, but um, I was, um, I'm the daughter of two immigrants who immigrated from India and I uh, went, I was brought up um learning the concept of seva from my parents and seva is pretty much giving back. And so all along um, growing up, my parents were really involved in their temple community and I would always see them volunteering and helping. And I also, during uh, my youth, I went to India during the summers, during my summers, and I saw a lot of the different uh, conditions in India. And I just wanted to give back. I think um, I just kind of always saw this and it was a part of my way of life. And like many people um, who go to college, you know, they wanted to, after they graduated, they wanted their work to, um, they wanted to do something for themselves, but they also wanted their work to have a purpose. And that was what I wanted Mm -hmm. as well. And so I, um, I graduated uh, from William Patterson University and I received my bachelor's in psychology and I was looking for a job and one at the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation opened up and you had reached out to me. We did. Can, yeah. I just wanted to, to say a little bit um, and do a plug for County College in Morris in Randolph. That's actually pretty where I found you because that's where I hailed from and spent many years as a classroom assistant for people with students with disabilities and anyway so I found some great jobs through their their job board so I when I needed someone at the foundation um, to help with the quality of life grants program I went looking through resumes and I found yours and I knew nothing else about you but what struck 
me was your service in India and, and um, your volunteering there. And I thought, let's give this person a try. And um, you were like the only person I called. I mean, it must have been, you know. It must have been written. <laughs> it must have been written. It was written. So, you know, it, and here you are now. So that would, and all the amazing things that you've done and makes it really makes me feel very good. <laughs> um, but I know that you're involved in, in a lot of things and through the, the re-foundation, um, you're still making an impact as an evaluator for grants, right? And so, so that's exciting. So, um, and also as far as the, uh, the foundation work that you're doing now, can you tell me about any trends that you've seen with organizations coming in asking for support? Um, so, yeah, so I've, I've been in, um, so a little bit about what I do. Um, I am the Managing Director of Foundation Operations for Investors Foundation, which is a corporate foundation for Investors Bank. And one of the great things that I love about um, what we do at Investors Foundation is we like to award many grants to, uh, across the state of New Jersey and New York, um, across the bank's footprint. And our grants are smaller grants. They're about $1,500 to $5,000. They're not uh, the very large capital campaign grants of $100,000 or so that you may see um, from other philanthropic organizations. And the reason why I'm actually bringing this up is um, philanthropy definitely was challenged and pushed in 2020. And it is still actually being um, challenged and um, evolving. Mm -hmm. And uh, philanthropy, I think, has two, provides two great needs. I think that philanthropy is an area where we can be innovative and we can test new ideas and try new things. And philanthropy can also fill the gaps. Um, philanthropy fills the gaps where the public sector and the private sector may not be able to may not be able to just bridge that gap. There may be gaps in terms of providing respite for parents um, of special needs children after school between three and 5 p.m. Um, philanthropy was also able to support many, many food pantries. As we saw during the pandemic, there was a great heightened, um, heightened awareness for food insecurity, especially in the state of New Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, and then philanthropy also can be innovative where we can develop new education programs, new um, programs for kids. Uh, we also can be innovative. And so I guess um, the trends that I've been seeing in, in philanthropy since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020 is that we're seeing more of an idea of trust-based philanthropy. A lot of uh, a lot of foundations, both uh, public and private, um, had to actually remain flexible, have to become flexible um, in their, in providing services to their grantees or potential grantees. They were not able to conduct in-site, in-person site visits. Mm -hmm. uh, if the nonprofit that they were supporting, their grantee that they were supporting needed to move funds and redirect them to operating support or the nonprofit had to move their programs to being completely virtual. Uh, the funders 
kind had to um, had to trust that the nonprofits were doing the best job that they could do to stay afloat. And if there was a gap, um, a bridge in service that was needed, they they had to stay uh, they had to stay flexible. And I think it's been a good thing because I believe that if a um, if a funder thinks that they're doing they are funding the best organizations, then they should trust that the organization that they're funding is doing good by their word mm-hmm. and how they're allocating their dollars. Uh, so it sounds like it, it's actually facilitated communications in a positive way between grantor and grantee. So, so that's a good thing. Yeah, definitely. I think so. I think, um, I think it's great. And I hope that it does continue. I hope mm-hmm. it continues. Absolutely. And you're also on the board of the New Jersey Grantmakers Association. Is that, did I get that? It's the Council of New Jersey Grantmakers, but yes. (laughs) And um, what, I'm thinking that that's probably a place where uh, philanthropies, grantors can get together and and tackle issues. Has that, did you guys do that in 2020 or is that just? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I was appointed to the board as a trustee of the Council of New Jersey Grantmakers in December of 2020. So mm-hmm. it was after, not after the pandemic, but it was post um, the onset. Mm-hmm. And um, so what the Council of New Jersey Grantmakers is, is a PSO, which is a philanthropic serving organization. And there are uh, PSOs across the country and uh, it's, a, it's a place where, it's a group where funders can come together and discuss the needs of the communities, um, the communities that they're serving. Uh, there are multiple uh, committees in the council. There is a Newark funders group. There is a corporate funders group. Um, there's a Camden area funders group. And mm-hmm. so what they do is they, um, we come together and we sometimes do bring in um, grantees and they're able to present uh, to, the, to the council um, what's going on in the community. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, it's, um, it's a very, it's a, um, it's a great organization and they are, um, yeah, they're, we just address various philanthropic needs across the state. Awesome. And are all, are there also topical committees? Like, do they have one for people with disabilities or like that kind of thing? Or uh, well, there there are yes, and unfortunately, I do not have those at the tip of my tongue at this moment. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to to throw that at you. Actually, I re- I I seem to remember something about that, and I was kind of trying to push it a little bit. Um, it might be un- under health or. Yeah, like, I don't remember, Donna. Hopefully you're okay, I'm so, Well, maybe that's something that can, you know, be part of things going forward. Uh, but anyway, um, let's see. What else can we talk about, Pretty? Um, so what do you see as far as um, any further changes in, in 21? Do you think that we're just going to continue with the pattern in 2020 of kind of moving forward any way you can? Um, I think so. I think um, this year what we're going to be doing, I think what we're going to be seeing with our nonprofits and uh, grantors is I think we're going to be continuing the 20, the conversation that started in 2020 
And I think it'll continue through 2021. And um, I think I'm hoping that next year when things hopefully become more normal, <laughs> we're still seeing, unfortunately, that the pandemic is definitely still uh, is still spreading very quickly across this area and across the world. So hopefully in 2021, when things are a little, 2022, when things are a little bit um, more under control and we're back to normal, um, hopefully the dialogue between funders and grantees will continue, but it'll be in person. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's, that's a nice Yeah, like hopefully there will be the site visits, but hopefully the it's going to be more of a more of a relationship, a mutual relationship. It's not really going to be. Um, it'll be more on the trust based uh, mm -hmm. philanthropy I like side. That. I, I think that's a really nice concept and that's the way it should be, you know, rather than here's the money and do, you know, like where it's just giving of money and that's it. It's a relationship and that that's the way that it, it can build and sustain. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I think, um, I think it's great. I think it's one of, it's one of my favorite parts of my job. Actually. I love getting on the phone and talking to grantees and potential applicants. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I like just speaking to them, hearing about their ideas and what the projects are that they're working on. And um, yeah, I think it's just great to be able to connect with the grantees and, say hello and see what, how the programs are progressing. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Oh, um, I, Heidi, I, I'm, is, what would you, would you like to say anything about what, what um, Vesters is doing or, or talk about Girls on the Run? Um, I would love to talk about Girls on the Run. Um, <laughs> Girls on the Run is a, um, is a great nonprofit organization. There is a national council and then there's regional councils. Mm -hmm. I am an associate board member of the New Jersey um, Council. Uh, and it's a great organization. Um, so what they do is um, it's a team building and self-esteem building program for young uh, girls. And um, it, uh, it really, um, it really uh, supports social emotional learning, which I think is great. Um, I think it's just, uh, it's so important that um, we uh, work together and, um, you know, we learn how to, um, we learn how to listen to um, take care of our minds and our bodies um, and just listen to kind of what we need, what we need to do. And so I think um, one of the programs that one of the things that I love, um, one of the exercises in girls on the run that I love is um, where uh, they bring up scenarios and they say, well, if a friend of yours asked you to like steal money, what would you do? And it would be like, and the kid has, to, and the, the student, the participant has to stop and think and say, what should I do? And gives them the scenario. And I, and you know, some of the kids, they come back and they have like the best answers. They'll say, well, I would think back to what, you know, a parent told me about stealing, which is not good. And so I would tell them I can't do that. And I just think it's great. Um, and the culmination of participating in these activities is that 
the girls and their families um, can participate in a 5K. And it's a culmination of all of the learning that they had done for through the 14 week course. And so I think, um, I think it's great. There's a, it's, it's, there's an elementary school program and then there's a program for middle school students as well. Oh, wow. There's yeah. a girls on the run branch in right in nearby me. And I had no idea. I thought it was just like a running club. No, and I think that's what's so great about it. I feel like maybe the name does kind of scare uh, scare young women away, but it's it has to do with running in the sense that it's got to do with running, but it isn't a program to, um, it's not a program that uh, that's going to train you for the New York City Marathon. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But if you wanted to do that, you, it would definitely provide you with the support and the encouragement that you needed to do that. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I yeah. love it. Okay, yeah, so great. Girls on the Run is really fun. Awesome. I thought of a question for you. And yeah. I didn't I this isn't one that I that I shared with you earlier. So I so I hope I hope you like it. So if if somebody gave you a million bucks and said, Here you go, pretty, here's a million bucks, um fund a grant program or you know give it away, like you could give it to one organization or many, How, what would you do? Like what, what issue would you tackle? Wow, that's a big one. Um, uh, to be honest with you, I would support, I would provide, um, like you, Donna, um, I actually am a caregiver for my mom who is elderly and um a stroke patient and um, wheelchair and is and uh, is in a wheelchair and I would most likely the programs that I would support would be respite programs for caregivers um, and I believe that it's um, I don't exactly know how I would do it right now. So I think you kind of put me on the spot here. Oh, no, I didn't mean like, what's your program going to be? I'm just like, I'm just curious. um, What I would do. And I think, um, I think I'm I'm actually found I'm really grateful for you for giving me this place to kind of uh, share a little bit. Um, I think that caregivers in this um, caregivers of uh, those that are elderly and caregivers of those that are, um, parents of special needs children, as well as the single mothers out there, anybody who's doing it on their own. Um, I believe that this pandemic has definitely raised, um, it's definitely challenged us all and it's pushed us all through the ringer. And I believe that there is a need for more respite and there is a more, there's, there's a greater need for respite and there's a greater need for awareness of just how much work caregivers do um, in our communities and how, um, how if we don't support our caretakers, um, it's just not good for the people that we love and it's just not good for our communities at all either. Um, I mean, the costs, uh, associated with our, the people that we take care of, um, tied to their like healthcare needs, if they have an issue, uh, are just great and heightened, exacerbated. Actually, my mom was in the hospital um, a few months ago, and 
it was before the second peak. It was right before the second peak of, of the pandemic. And she, um, um, and I really do attribute that decline actually due to the pandemic. Um, before the pandemic, she would go to an adult daycare center and adult daycare centers, I believe are a hidden secret. Um, they do great work. <coughs> They're a place where the elderly, people living with dementia, um, other issues can go and um, their loved one drops them off in the morning and they can, um, they eat together, they, um, they play games, they participate in real, um, in, in elder care, like they, they just, they do great things, they play bingo, they, they have sometimes volunteers come in there and they sing songs and it just, it reduces the isolation that the elderly face and it's a safe environment and it's just such a huge respite for caregivers. Like, I mean, it's just, you know that your loved one is at a program where their needs are being tended to and um, they're safe, they're, they're, um, they're being fed nutritious food and a nurse is there as well, watching just in case something happens. And it's just such a huge respite for the caregiver. Um, and also on the flip side, it's also that the patient is able to live in their own home. So it's a great benefit to the system where um, the patient is able to live in their own home and rather than be living in a nursing home or um or a group home and they're able to go every day. And I would, um, you know, if I had to do something, that's the one thing that I would do is I would uh, raise more awareness for respite for caregivers. Mm -hmm. I think just in general, it's, um, it's just very, uh, they do a lot is all I'm going to say. They do a lot. They go through more than anyone will ever tell you. And it's challenging and, I think it's something that personally affects me. So, yeah. Absolutely. I've got, I'm over clamped pretty. I can definitely relate. Yeah. Uh, it's just, for uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, you put me on the spot. And so, uh, but I think that's beautiful because that is something that um, I know is, is a big part of, of um, your being is taking care of your mom and, and being a caregiver. And um, it's hard. It's very hard. Um, and it's not something that, we're really allowed to complain about, you know, or yeah, any of no. the stresses <laughs> of, of, with it, but it, just to say it's hard. Um, and also the, the adult daycare, I think a lot of people don't know what that's about at all and, and how important that is. And just that social aspect for the people yeah, that help um, us for the care lovers. Um, I mean, oh care, yeah, no, it's, it's, a, and it's, a, it's adult medical daycare. It is not just a place where you just drop your loved one off and you go. They are being tended to. Um, it's providing medical care. It helps with their memory. It helps with, um, it helps reduce secondary conditions because they can exercise. It's, it's just, um, it's just such a great program. And, um, and, uh, you know, it reduces social isolation. It's just, um, it's just such a great program. I can't, I can't say enough about it. Um, 
And it's a place where caregivers also come together and they, you know, everyone that's dropping off their loved one is, you know, they you wave to each other in the, you know, in the parking lot, but you all know that you're going through something and mm-hmm. it's definitely challenging at home, but it's great that there's a place where our elderly, elderly people can go and just be taken care of and have their needs taken care of. And, um, to be honest, actually, I lived in India for a year after my mom did become sick and there were no programs such as this in India. Um, I mean, we lived in a, we live in a metropolitan city and there were no programs um, like this. And so it's a great um, thing that's in this country. It's a great program that's in this country. And unfortunately, when the pandemic hit, it shut down as, as did everything else. And the, the seniors and the caregivers really had nowhere to turn. They had nowhere to turn. And, um, you know, their loved ones ended up just being in the house full time and they still haven't reopened. And we're hoping that they'll reopen soon because the caregivers need a break and our seniors want to go back and see their friends as well. Sure, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for telling us about that. I, it's thank you. Really- That's such a great question. Thank you. Um, and and I guess to tie that into my overall view of philanthropy um, is that um, that's the best part about philanthropy is that philanthropy is innovative and philanthropy is tied to what you're passionate about. Um, that is what I would always say to a nonprofit who is applying for a grant. And that was what I would say to a funder who has funds to give away is give where you are the most passionate and request funding where the need is the greatest for your organization, because that's where the match will happen. Um, Funders want to fund something that they can get behind that they're passionate about and that they can get involved in and a cause that they understand and nonprofits as well. Um, You know, really kind of lay it out there what your needs are. Um, If your funding needs are that you need support to provide organizational support, be very straightforward with your with your funders about that or potential funders. Um, Mm -hmm. These things are very important. Absolutely. So that communication, again, is key. Yes. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, you've already laid out some great tips just in that, that last question there. You hit on great, great um, things. Right no, nothing much, really. Nothing, um, nothing that I'd really want to add. Uh, you know, Donna, I think your podcast is great. I really, um, I love how you are bringing different voices to the world. And I love how you're giving awareness to many different um, causes and organizations that are doing very worthwhile work. So kudos to you. Thank you so much. Well, it was a pleasure to have you here and we will talk soon. And um, thank you again, Pretty Maida. Have a wonderful day. Well, that's a wrap for this episode of Giving Heartbeat, where we make unsung heroes into everyday superheroes. Please be my hero and subscribe, download, rate and review and tell all your friends. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Naomi Charney for my beautiful cover art. Thanks to Chris Hogan for his theme music, Pure Magic and to audio engineer extraordinaire Don Sternacker at Mixolydian Studios. 
please take action today to support nonprofits that connect with your passion. Be the change you want to see in the world. Until next time, the beat goes on. This is Donna Valente. Peace out.